Hello and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and with me today is Dr. Rhonda Seafree. She is Associate Professor of the Department of Family and Community Medicine in the Sidney Kimmel Medical College at Thomas Jefferson University. She's also a Director of Research in the department and serves as the Research Fellowship Director. Dr. Seafree, I wanted to talk to you today about cancer, cancer prevention, things primary care doctors can do to try to attack the issue and get ahead of it. And thanks, first of all, for taking the time to join us tonight. Thank you for having me, Brian. In the grassroots level, we're out there seeing patients day after day. What are the big steps we can take to try to help diagnose these things early and make a difference? Well, Brian, there's there's many approaches that uh, primary care physicians and clinicians can do to, to help with cancer prevention. Um, I think one thing that, that providers need to recognize, and, and hopefully many of them do, that a recommendation to get screening for cancer by a primary care um, provider or clinician is clearly the single most influential factor on persuading someone to get screened. So recognizing, number one, that the recommendation by a, particularly a personal physician or provider, but in general from, from a, a health provider is really the, one of the most important things that we can do. Um, there have been many changes over the last few years that have helped us really to kind of think about cancer screening and prevention in a more comprehensive way. And one of the things that's happened is that the focus now really on the patient-centered medical home and recognizing that many of the things that we do, including cancer screening and cancer prevention, need to be patient-centered and trying to find a system where not all of the recommendations and not all of the care given for cancer prevention screening has to be done by the lead physician or the lead provider, that having a team approach and using staff members and using uh, patient navigators, using the electronic medical record system that has the abilities to do prompts and, and have registries and be able to do reminders to patients. There's many new technologies and new approaches out there that have helped us to do a better job with that. Um, another kind of new um, kind of change in the in the area has been the um, introduction of the Affordable Care Act and the fact that, you know, all insurances, new insurances that came about from the Affordable Care Act now must provide preventive care without a copay to their patients so that that patients now with with those insurances can get screening colonoscopies, screening mammograms, screening um, pap smears, um, all of the preventive care services should be covered by the Affordable Care Act if they received a high rating from the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force. And I think the last kind of major change in the last few years has been kind of the development of more accountable care organizations and pay-for-performance insurance plans where many practices are now really encouraged and incentivized to do better preventive services, particularly in cancer screening as well, with mammograms and colorectal cancer screening being very important as far as um, the, the measures that are being looked at and that are being that are being incentivized. So you look at all of those things and people are in practice and you look at the EMR as a valuable tool. What are some creative ways we can use um, the EMR, and especially as it, you know, we're getting a little more sophisticated with it? You know, there are many different EMRs out there, and some are much better than others. And there's still, you know, many practices that haven't yet, um, you know, implemented EMR. So that, you know, I think that uh, trying to get people to get on an EMR and encouraging meaningful use of EMR is very important to begin with. I think probably one of the, the biggest um, tools that could be available through the EMR is a prompt. So, you know, there are, most of the EMRs have preventive care flow sheets and they are able to, um, you know, 
provide prompting for providers to remember when somebody is due for a cancer prevention um, inactivity or uh, to um, be able to identify the patients that have not yet been um, been screened or haven't had a, haven't had a conversation about that. Um, I think the difficult thing nowadays is that practices now are really responsible for all the patients that are in their panel, even if the patients are not coming into the practice for an office visit, so that the EMRs can be incredibly helpful in identifying patients who don't come in very often or come in much at all and, and identifying you know how we can reach out to them and having lists and addresses and being able to just electronically develop um, reminders and, and educational materials that can be sent out to patients. And you're at Jefferson, which obviously is a leading medical center, but like many medical schools and institutions, um, you may have a little bit more degree of sophistication with an EMR and you're using it for research. What are some of the things docs in the community can look forward to that you see from the work you're doing? Yeah, I think that, you know, one thing that we're finding that actually the EMR has not been very helpful with, um, and in fact has been um, not not as good as some of the paper chart systems, was how to identify patients that were at our high risk. So identify patients that have a family history. Many of the EMRs out there now don't, don't allow for a genogram to be generated from the family history information that's being entered into the computer. I mean, many times it's just a narrative form. Um, and that, that provides a, a more difficult approach, but having, um, and, and for community docs as well, whether it's electronic-based or, or, or paper-based or, or even smartphone-based, to have tools that allow them to identify patients that are high risk and to have, um, you know, the ability to understand if a patient has a family member, first-degree relative that had a, a colon adenoma, um, you know, diagnosed before the age of 60, that patient's at higher risk and needs to be treated a little bit differently. So I think, um, you know, being able to um, access you know, the support systems, the decision aids, and things like that from the EMR is probably one of the biggest things that community physicians, as well as academic physicians as well, um, will benefit from this, from the EMR. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and with me is Dr. Rhonda Seafree from Jefferson, and we've talked a little about EMR, but I want to get more into the role of primary care and early cancer detection and prevention. Right now, in prevention, what are the the, I guess the top cancers we can look at where we can make a real difference by diagnosing it early? Amazingly, relatively few. So that um, if you look at the, the cancers that clearly have screening recommendations, uh, and we'll go through for, for men, um, the, the one that's actually not clear as much is prostate cancer. That's the one that there's controversy over whether or not um, that sh- that's a cancer that should be screened for. The U.S. Preventive Services Task Force um, gave it a letter D, which meant that for patients that are at average risk, they are not recommending uh, cancer screening. The American Cancer Society, however, um, does recommend a shared decision-making approach towards prostate cancer screening. But for the other cancers, for colorectal cancer screening, that one's remarkably in agreement between uh, different or among different organizations, so that recommending um, a number of different types of colon cancer um, screening test options are, are, are reasonable. So a colonoscopy um, could be recommended. Again, this is for all you know, men and women, actually, um, at the age of 50 if they're not at high risk. Um, a stool-based blood test that's done at home, um, preferably a fecal immunochemical test um, or a very highly sensitive quiet test would be also very appropriate. Um, the, there are still other, the flexible sigmoidoscopy is still recommended. Um, other tests that are um, 
recommended by one and maybe not the other quite as much. Barium enemas are still recommended um, at, through the American Cancer Society. And some of the newer tests like a CT colonography or virtual colonoscopy is recommended. Um, another cancer that's um, very little controversy about it is cervical cancer screening. So that's recommended by almost all the organizations. Women between the ages of 21 and 30 um, should be getting pap smears every three years. That's a decrease in interval um, from recent guidelines, um, but that's consistent across different organizations. And then women between the ages of 30 and 65 should be getting them every five years as long as they're also getting an HPV test along with the, um, the pap smear. The next one would be um, breast cancer screening, so getting uh, some controversy between different organizations. The task force um, has a little bit different approach for women between the ages of 40 and 49, um, but still it's uh, recommended to have that discussion with the primaries, and then when patients reach the age of 50, they should be recommended to get mammography screening every one to two years. Um, the American Cancer Society recommends that every, every year starting at the age of 40. And then the last cancer that's actually one of the newer ones to have a screening guideline is for lung cancer, and this is a, a pretty radical change in guidelines. It's recommended that you know all patients, um, and this is both the American Cancer Society and the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, now recommends that patients that are 55 to 74 years old, or 80 if it's the task force, who've had a 30-pack year history um, or have quit within um, the last uh, 15 years, still smoking or quit, um, should be getting annual low-dose um, CT scans um, to to screen for lung cancer, and that received a B recommendation from the task force, and it's that's a, a relatively new guideline that many um, providers are not yet terribly familiar with or haven't quite you know, incorporated into their practice yet. Now, is that where you would say to turn for the primary care doc who's out there? You would say USPSTF, or is that where you would say to go for the recommendations for general information, specialty societies? What do you suggest? That's a, that's an excellent question. I mean, one thing that, that providers uh, should realize is that the Affordable Care Act requires that any um, U.S. Um, Preventive Services Task Force guideline that receives an A or a B should get covered without um, a copay um, being instituted for the patients that have insurances covered by the ACA. So the task force tends to be a bit more conservative and don't quite um, go as far sometimes as specialty organizations, but the number of studies that have come out that say that, that looked at this and have found that primary care uh, providers often follow the American Cancer Society guidelines. So that I, I think either of them are, are certainly reasonable. Um, one tends to be a little bit more conservative than the other, um, but they in many in many times they they actually agree with each other. So the difficulty is not as hard to decide. What about preventive things that patients can do that uh, we as primary care docs should look at and say? We should be advising our patients changes they can make lifestyle exercise, Absolutely. those sorts of things. Again, it's been estimated that maybe anywhere from 70 to 90% of cancers could be prevented by lifestyle changes. So probably the three biggest ones that we can certainly assess in our patients and then counsel them on changing behaviors if um, if they're positive. One is by far the biggest one is smoking, and it's estimated about 30% of, of cancers have some connection to tobacco. So helping patients stop smoking, there's a lot of... A lot lot of um, different ways to help patients now, both um, pharmaceutically and, and, and with counseling types of interventions. Um, another major preventive um, area that, that we can work on with our patients is um, uh, moderate alcohol use, trying to decrease excessive alcohol use. There's um, um, 
many cancers that are associated with alcohol use. And then the, the other um, big one, actually, is obesity. And many, many patients in particular don't realize um, that being overweight or being particularly obese um, has a tremendous um, risk factor for cancer. So helping patients with weight loss, with increasing um, exercise is very important. And then uh, kind of an, another one to certainly keep in mind, although probably not quite as high as the other three, is really to um, help people understand, you know, the risk of sun exposure and, you know, in the use of sunscreen, especially this time of year. Yeah, that's a very important point as well. When we're looking at lifestyle, we look at the medications that are out there. What about research from our perspective? Again, are there big strides in the past few years? Anything you've seen really exciting in, in treatment of cancer? Well, yeah, I think um, as far as treatment, there's there's all kinds of things with treatment. I, one of the certainly a, a, a big rise in in many of the health systems um, in general are trying to develop uh, programs that deal with personalized uh, healthcare, which is really more kind of genetically based um, interventions to help with treating um, cancer. But one of the things more with screening and more at the primary care level that has really been helpful, and I think a lot of practices have begun to incorporate um, into their day to day work is the use of patient navigators and, and health educators and other kind of outreach workers, staff within their office who are kind of cross-training and learning different skills on how to help patients get screened or make, make behavior changes that we're finding particularly in the, in the research that, that we do here at Jefferson that there's been a, um, a you know, a, a particular advantage of, of navigators in, in having kind of personal contact with patients with, um, who have experienced disparities with cancer so that particularly racial and ethnic minorities who have not um, kind of seen some of the gains in cancer screening and cancer treatment rates that, that other populations have that we found that the use of, of navigators has been incredibly helpful. We only have about 35 seconds or so left. If you were to give a final tip, you know, guidance for primary care doctors out there of what they should do, what would you say the biggest things to do are? Um, I think one is to, again, recommend that their, their recommendation for a patient to get screened has incredible influence, and they need to remember that and recognize that. Um, having, because there are some controversies in cancer screening, that um, they should come up with their own policy. Don't re-debate it in your head every time. You know, come to a decision about how you want to approach a particular cancer um, screening recommendation and, and be consistent with how you approach patients with that. Um, and, then, and then finally, I think that, you know, having a team approach and using your office staff and using other folks to, to help identify where patients are and getting screened or making lifestyle changes and, and using um, people other than yourself to try to get this done because a team approach is, is truly one that's probably um, the best to use for, for, the, for this and for many other types of care. Dr. Rhonda Seifer, I'm afraid we run out of time. I want to thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insights on primary care today. Thank you so much, Brian. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash primary care today to download the podcast and learn more on this series. Thank you very much for listening.